Across the UK, Overnights with Paul Ross. Time now to say good morning to a man you often hear on this station. I've interviewed him many times myself. He's a fantastic correspondent based in Central America in Mexico. Often here with Martin Kellner at the weekend. We've poached him for this morning. It's our pal John Bonfiglio. Good morning, John. How's life treating you, sir? How are things? Good, Paul. How are you? Very well indeed. A little bit for hearing your cheery voice here. It's been a while since we've spoken, but I know you keep your eye across as well as the political stories there and the stories involving crime and the police in your part of, on your patch, if you like. Also, you're across the um, sporting stories and the World Baseball Classic is currently taking place in Miami and we're at the semi-final stage. And of course, a huge sport in Mexico and through the Americas generally. And also, I think I might be saying, aren't all baseballs made in, is it Guatemala, I want to say? There's one country in particular which makes all the official baseballs, I think, for the sport. That's a, a really good quiz question to which I do not know oh, the well, answer. Okay. Though, but, <laughs> but I'm Maybe but I'll jump that one. The, the World Baseball Classic semi-final, first semi-final just took place uh, today in the USA that were looking distinctly ropey through the pool stages. Absolutely destroyed Cuba 14-2 in Miami, uh, which has seen protests mm. all week long. This is actually interestingly the first time that Cuba have uh, fielded both current and former uh, Major League Baseball players, and the first encounter between Cuba and the USA in uh, in the World Baseball Classic. I guess, um, um, in terms of you know following this this uh, this tournament, it, it has come to approximate something like, or it's been designed to follow the FIFA World Cup model, because generally baseball is really focused on a few countries. Of course, the USA, Japan. Uh, Taiwan, of course, Latin America, but this is a, an attempt to really, I guess, kind of evangelize the sport internationally. And certainly this year in particular, with the, the U.S. players um, or some of the really top end U.S. players coming and turning out for the first time, um, it, it's really taken on something of a, a massive popularity. Also because it's being shown on network television in um, in the U.S., which it hadn't been up until this point. So semi-final stage, US through to USA through to the final, and tomorrow we've got Mexico, Japan. Mexico very much underdogs despite the popularity here. Japan fielding a very strong side. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, you, you cannot avoid the, I guess, the socio-political context behind uh, USA and Cuba having taken place tonight in downtown downtown Miami. Well, there's, there's a sense maybe that the situation in Cuba, maybe the situation between the relationship between uh, the USA and Cuba may be shifting because, of course, I think you've got the elections in Cuba next weekend and there's no Castro on the ticket, which must be the first time since, what, the late 50s, early 60s. It is first election since the revolution, not to feature a Castro, uh, remarkably. It's one of those strange things about these elections. They are national elections. Uh, for the National Assembly, but fundamentally it is a one-party state. It's a communist state. So, so candidates are all from the same uh, party. They are proposed by civil society. So you get a whole list of individuals put forward by uh, students groups, trade unions, uh, local organizations, etc. And then they're approved by or not approved by uh, municipal assemblies. And then those ones that get voted in get elected to the legislative body for a five-year term, which I guess would be something like the House of Commons, uh, with 470 uh, deputies, but again, you cannot really take away from the fact, from the, I guess, from the uh, emotional fact that Cuba is probably so currently suffering its its most its biggest uh, crisis in terms of uh, the history of the Communist Party and the communist system on the island now, in particular due to a severe economic crisis, and the fact that there is no. You know, parent figure, no Castro mm. figure on the ticket, 
makes it seem all that much more vulnerable. And I'd imagine there's no um, outside communist country propping them up or supplying them, maybe propping up is the wrong, uh, wrong verb, in quite the way that the Soviet Union used to, because they've never really, as far as I'm aware, had particularly strong links with communist China, have they, Cuba? No, I think you're absolutely right. And it's interesting because this is, I mean, this economic crisis that's currently being uh, experienced on the island is the worst since the end of, mm. since the special period, since the end of that relation, you know, when the USSR crumbled in the 80s and 90s, and then that relationship sort of uh, fell through. At the moment, really, the, the biggest relationships are actually not, in, I guess, uh, out with uh, Latin America. There are strong relations between Cuba and Mexico. Uh, Cuba and a few other countries, Argentina in particular. I mean, there's a lot of countries in Latin America now are left-leaning again. But in particular, what historically over the last few years has propped up uh, Cuba has been Venezuela and Venezuelan oil and has really managed to, I guess, give them something of a, of a G up, if you, if, you, if you like, in terms of, you know, the functionality. But that, but that, this economic crisis on the back of COVID and the collapse in the tourism economy is what's really driven down um, I guess, uh, the economy on the island, but also has driven up protests for the first time, again, since 1959, and has led to a, a new wave of mass emigration uh, to the USA, which has really significantly further destabilised the, the, the country. I mean, I was surprised the first time I went to um, Key Largo, down at Key West, in fact, beyond Key Largo, that you stand um, on the kind of very tip of what is Key West, and on a, on a very clear day, you can see Cuba. I had no idea it was that close. I should have, you know, shouldn't have surprised me. But again, you realise how they've kind of flourished in many ways and had to function without any aid or support from from the USA. In fact, quite the reverse, almost a blockades, embargoes down the years. They managed to hang on in there. But surely that relationship has to thaw. Logic and common sense would dictate that eventually. I mean, we've been thinking for this for, for how long now? But you're absolutely right. And it's interesting. An example of the proximity between uh, Florida. Key Largo, the, the Florida Keys, yeah, and Key West, Cuba yeah. is the is the fact that when these recent uh, demonstrations took place on the island, there was a cutback in in internet connectivity on the island, so that people couldn't organise and speak to each other. And one of the um, one of the, the policies mooted by the Biden administration was because it's so close, you can actually offer free uh, broadband and internet to not broadband internet uh, wireless internet to Cuba directly from uh, from uh, Miami. It is that close. That didn't come to pass, but it's something which the U.S. could actually do in terms of continuing to foment those protests sh should they wish to. And is there still, I'm sure there is scrutiny about what we're going on in Guantanamo Bay, which of course is um, a very odd prison to have where they have it, which is effectively one would regard it as almost Cuban territory. Yeah, look, it was, it was famously leased uh, to the USA for, uh, for a dollar a year, and uh, Castro never cashed uh, the, the checks, he would, he would keep them and, uh, and frame them, but there was never any money handed over. And it is, it's a bit like Hong Kong and, and, the, and the UK. It is leased for an exponential period of time and it is a, a slice of land on Cuban soil, which has fundamentally been rented out. Uh, to the US and doesn't have that much longer to run. Now, the, the boast of many communist countries was that they had a remarkable health service and also that they would provide um, full employment for their population. It's more difficult, I imagine, in an almost completely agrarian society like Cuba. How did the society, how did they flourish under, under Castro, under, under decades of communist rule, would you say? Well, I mean, in, 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 to some extent, partial employment, uh, subsidies, rationing, uh, and so on. It also, Cuba is a very resource rich country as well. And also, I mean, it, it's important to really 
accept and understand that up until now, really, that most Cubans did actually buy into the communist model. So which basically meant that there was this view of Cuba as almost a kind of a garden of Eden where nobody earned too much or earned too little and everybody was on a, a standard wage. And actually, that is one of the truisms of this election that's coming up as well is that, uh, you know, again, whether you like it or not, one of the one of the upsides, if you like, of this electoral model is that nobody, no representative, no democratic representative gets paid any more than an industrial worker, than an average man in the field and and so on. So so especially when you take into account the aggressive nature of the embargo that the U.S., you know, foisted on it for two generations, the very fact that it's managed to survive and thrive is 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 pretty remarkable. And of course, we're looking ahead to, I don't say looking forward to, but we'll be commemorating globally, I suppose, the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President Kennedy uh, back in 1963, November. And there's still those ongoing suspicions about Kennedy's sanctioning of the Bay of Pigs invasion, which was a fiasco, about possible involvement with um, you know, the Communist Party, not just in Russia, but maybe also in Cuba, and this whole kind of Cuban association that Lee Harvey Oswald may have had. Yeah, look, if, if we know anything about you know the murky waters and the, and the back channels of uh, the spy game and, uh, and, and conversations and links that we know nothing about is that there is way more out there than we can, uh, that we can possibly imagine. Even at this point, maybe we won't even necessarily find out about it. And the current context for sure, in terms of, you know, the nuclear precipice that we are, not that we're necessarily at exactly the state, at the same stage as a Cuban missile crisis, but, uh, everything that's taking place at the moment for sure in, in Eastern Europe reminds us of how close we got. Uh, not that long ago, just southeast of the USA. And also, those incredibly bizarre, almost comic-sounding plots to, um, you know, make Castro's beard fall out, to send him exploding cigars or something. <laughs> it just seems, I mean, it seems like the stuff uh, of a Groucho Marx espionage. Honestly, you're absolutely right, and we we, we come right back to Havana syndrome now, and, the, and these allegations of these, you know, sonic microwave weapons that are being used on the island and, and elsewhere, and, and elsewhere, and it does sound you know, completely fanciful. The stuff of sci-fi, but yeah, exploding cigars. The, 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 the USA covertly during that period of time was desperate to take out the, the figurehead, uh, Fidel Castro, because he was the biggest thorn in their side and all the more annoying to them because the USA, all powerful global superpower, Cuba, tiny tropical island and just just uh, over the water to the southeast, almost you could wave across the water at each other and just almost like, uh, 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 you know, the Gauls and the Romans just consistently managing to, uh, to be one step ahead, uh, of the, of the big imperial superpower. And that caused them no end of frustration. John, always an absolute pleasure catching up with you, mate. Thank you very much for that incisive overview of what's happening in the world of sport generally, but also in the world of politics with Cuba and the USA. That's John Bonfiglio live from Central America, live from Mexico, talking to me, Paul Ross, and you guys on Talk Sports and Talk Radio. We're live till five.